C.S. Lewis once said, if Christianity, he said this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. And I believe that. If that was not true, and if we didn't believe it, as I say many times, everything about us, everything about crossings, wherever we are, is a colossal waste of time and money. But I don't believe miraculous kinds of things would be happening in this church if this was not of God. I think it's very obvious God has been up to something uh, for, since the beginning of this church in 1959. And uh, I, the only moment I think the church really doubted that God might be up to something is when they asked me to be the pastor in 1985. And there were 147 people in the church and then two left because they had asked me to be the pastor. And it's a miracle 50 more didn't go with them. But uh, anyway, uh, God is a wonderful God. And so I'm very, very thankful uh, to be a part of this. And I can just tell you for sure, there are things happening that we didn't plan, we didn't cause, we didn't see it coming. And that's where I'm finding, even for me personally, wow. Miracles still happen. I want to talk about that today. You've heard this before, and uh, I'm never tired of saying it, unfortunately, so you get to hear it again. Not all of it. When you asked me to be the pastor, I had one box of books. You've heard, many of you have heard it. One box of books, and they were my dad's, but I was, in, I was in a study as the new pastor without one book, and, and shelves going all the way to the wall and all the way to the ceiling. So I got my dad's books out and thought that will at least give me some credibility to have a few books on the shelves. And the first book on top was the book, you know, you've heard it. You're tired of hearing the story. I'm just not tired of telling it. I Stand by the Door by Sam Shoemaker. And then I realized, and I'm realizing more and more, it was not an accident that box was left in my office as my dad moved from Ohio to California. It was supposed to be there for this one book. I stand by the door. I neither go too far in nor stay too far out. The door is the most important door in the world. It's the door through which men walk when they find God. There's no use my going way inside and staying there when so many are still outside and they as much as I crave to know where the door is. And all that so many ever find is a wall where a door ought to be. And they creep along the wall like blind men and women with outstretched groping hands, feeling for a door, knowing there must be a door. Yet they never find it. So I stand by the door. Go in, great saints, go all the way in, go down in the cavernous cellars, way up into the spacious attics. It's a vast, roomy house, this house where God is. Go into the deepest of hidden casements, of withdrawal, of silence, of sainthood. Some must inhabit those inner rooms and know the depths and heights of God. But I stand by the door. There's another reason why I stand there. Some people get partway in and become afraid, for God is so great. And sometimes people feel a cosmic claustrophobia. Claustrophobia, they want to get out, and people weigh inside only ter- let me say this again. And people weigh inside the church only terrify them more. I stand by the door. I admire people who go way in. But I wish they would not forget how it was before they got in. Then they would be able to help the people who have not yet even found the door. So I shall stand by the door and wait for those who seek it 
I'd rather be a doorkeeper. So I stand by the door. In his first letter to the Corinthian church, Paul is writing a letter to them from Ephesus. In chapter 16, verse nine, he lets them know that he's not going to be coming to them as soon as he had planned. And the commentaries will even say this was certainly great disappointment to the Corinthians who'd been looking forward to Paul's visit to, to Corinth. He's in Ephesus writing this. And now he's saying, I'm going to be delayed. And he says, here's why, in verse, uh, six, chapter 16, verse nine. There's a wide door for a great work here and many people are responding. His plans had to change because God was doing something and Paul understood that when God is moving in this way, you just don't pack up and go with your own plan. And so this wide door for a great work was taking place and Paul said, I've got to stay put. I've got to see this through. I've got to find out just what God has in mind. I want to remind you today that Crossings Community Church exists to help people find and follow Jesus. To find him, we do all, a variety of things and ways we can reach to the community with a message that everybody truly is welcome. That you don't have to, there's not a prerequisite. You don't have to get cleaned up and, and all that before you get here. You don't have to walk in knowing the jargon that will make no sense to you sometimes in sitting in a church service. You don't have to know our songs we just would love you to find Jesus and we'll do whatever it takes to help you do that. And people by the thousands are taking us up on it. And I love that about our church. We exist to help people find him, but then we love to see people decide to follow Jesus in every aspect of their life. Getting deeper into God's word. Enjoying fellowship of other believers who will encourage them and be alongside them, even in the worst of times. That's what it means when we follow, when we find. Luke 12, 31 says, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he'll give you everything you need. Seek God's work. Seek the work of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. As we ask people to find and follow him, here's one of the other reasons. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. You do realize at any given moment, all of us are weary and are carrying heavy burdens. There's something weighing on us. It's called living life in this world. It's called living life in this culture. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will get, I, I, he says, I will, I will give you rest. What we're finding out is people are taking us up on this in ways I certainly would not have dreamed. In the past 12 months, we've seen 366 people baptized. If you throw in last week, it's now 468 who've been baptized this year. Celebrating what God is doing in their lives and doing some amazing things as they simply go public in their faith before their church family is a way of saying, I'm now part of this family. I've given my life to Christ. And it gives us a chance to know who to pray for, how to pray for them, love them, encourage them, walk alongside. There are now over 1,500 new people worshiping with us who were not here a year ago. And people keep asking me, well, what, what are you doing? Um, um, what we've been doing, I guess. <laughs> we, we didn't do anything. We've just been doing what we do. 
A lot of those folks are up in Edmond. We thought we might, get this, nine or 10 years ago when Edmond was built, we thought, we believe we could reach 800 to 1,000 people out there someday. And every time I say that, it's like it just triggers God's desire to just poke fun at me. Because now you got 1,400 up there trying to get in and we're out of parking. And it's like, we need to build East Edmond like tomorrow, but architects and contractors can't give me that promise. I don't know what's wrong with them. You know, if they were really godly, they'd get with it, you know? So, okay, that was way over the line, I'm sorry. That, but y'all are used to this, no, no telling what's gonna come out of his mouth. But we want everybody to know there is only one that can give them everything they need. We know that. We've discovered that. We want everybody to know that. We want everyone to know there is only one who can give them everything they need. There's only one to run to when they are weary and life is confusing. And we have the privilege of walking with each other who are search, as we search and the others who are searching but don't realize what they need. We walk alongside those trying to, who want to find him, whether they realize it or not. And so many have met someone claiming to represent Jesus, but turned out to be a self-righteous, judgmental type of Christian. And I'm not sure you can be that last word if you are self-righteous and judgmental, but I suppose there are Christians who at least seem to excel at that. <laughs> People think they've met Jesus. And they said, don't want anything to do with that. They rejected him, walked away. They didn't meet Jesus. They met the judgmental Jesus. They met the political Jesus. They met the angry Jesus. They met the arrogant Jesus. They met the prosperity Jesus. And none of those are real Jesus. None of that describes God's son, virgin born, crucified, risen and coming again just cause he loved us. It's interesting, I read an article uh, in the last couple of weeks and it's titled, What I Learned from Atheists Who Converted to Christianity. Fascinating study. It's written by Jana Harmon. She's the teaching fellow for the C.S. Lewis Institute of Atlanta. And the, the uh, title of her uh, article was Atheist Finding God, Unlikely Stories of Conversions to Christianity. I think it's the title of her book. I found this fascinating. At first I thought, well, you got some Christian, you know, gonna, gonna kind of beat up on atheists here. And boy, was I wrong. Cause she's saying, here's what I learned from hanging out with a hundred atheist friends who would later convert to Christianity. Here's what she says. 24% of atheists polled in this study over several years reported that it's the care and concern from Christians that have attracted them toward God after a personal crisis. Former Jewish atheist Nikki wanted nothing to do with Jesus until she became seriously ill. And the only person who seemed to care and show up for her happened to be a Christian she'd known earlier in her life. And Nikki said, I just needed to be loved in that moment. And I received genuine care from someone who says they're a Christian. And of course, I'm not, she said, but it started changing her thinking. Interestingly, she writes this, the majority of former skeptics in my research first decided, now get this, the majority of former atheists, the former skeptics in my research 
first decided Christianity was good or attractive as something they could desire before they were willing to look and see whether it was true. You know what that did for me? Where do we typically start? If someone says, I'm an atheist, I don't believe anything. Where do we typically want to go? Oh no, let me tell you the truth. Let me get the book out here and just show you. And here we have, we have evidence, brilliant evidence, helping us understand yet again. And it's not just for those who would claim to be an atheist. It's for anybody you and I know. What is going to matter is how we treat them and respond to them. Do we respond like Christ, like Jesus would? Or do we think, well, I've got to get you saved right now. And yet again, they've met the wrong Jesus. She continues. So they first decided Christianity was good or attractive before they became willing to look to see whether it was true. And here's what she says. Our lives intersecting with non-believers can and does help open the door to faith in ways that were not possible when there was little to no personal connection. Salt makes no difference when it sits idly on the table apart from the food. <laughs> Isn't that a great line? The churches that just set the salt on the table, but there's never any food to pour on it. Salt makes no difference when it sits idly on the table apart from food. It must encounter food in order to enhance or preserve. So let's be intentional about engaging with others, showing them the love of Christ, and then telling them the truth about Christ when they ask or are ready to hear it. People don't care. You've heard this a hundred thousand times. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And we need to hear that. And we need to live that. So we exist to help people find and follow Jesus. We carry this mission out by doing three things. We want to live by faith, be a voice of hope, be known by love. Let's look at these few things and we can uh, uh, talk about where we're headed in this uh, venture of faith. We're going to live by faith because without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who honestly seek him. Who honestly seek him. Being a voice of hope. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge, what? Can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. We want to be hope givers. Hope givers. Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what God can do for us. I often quote the phrase prominent in 12-step ministries that we're beggars who found bread and now we just exist to help other beggars find the same bread. I'll never forget that day. I've told it many times about... Uh, uh, a gentleman in the church invited me to go to a 12-step meeting. I said, but I don't drink. And he said, yeah, but you're crazy, so you need to go with me to the 12-step meeting. <laughs> That's literally what he said. He said, you're crazy. You need to go with me to a 12-step meeting. So, oh, brother, you know. Changed my life. I don't know that I'd be the pastor today 
Had I not experienced that? You've heard me tell it, most of you. When one guy that looks like he probably slept out back, and then there's another guy that's clearly decked out in the finest, who hands this guy his card and says, if you feel tempted to drink, whenever it is, 24 hours, seven days a week, you call that number. And I'm sitting there going, I thought the Bible said we should be doing that at church. And it has shaped, as you know, the ministry of this church in many, many ways. We're beggars who found bread. And when beggars find bread, they want to tell all the other beggars where to find some bread themselves. So we live by faith. We want to be a voice of hope. We want to be known by love. Jesus says this, I'm giving you a new commandment. Commandment. He says, I'm going to give you something to think about. I'm giving you a commandment. Love each other just as I've loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And I can't overstate that. I say it quite a bit without apology because this is something, if we really in the body of Christ can get this right, we can spread a lot of hope and a lot of joy to people who are looking for it. Known by love. Erwin McManus is a pastor out in California, has a wonderful church uh, there on Hollywood Boulevard, Mosaic Church, Hollywood Boulevard, the last place you'd expect to find a church. He found an older church building, bought it, and now it's packed out all the time. It's on the famous Walk of Fame. So I thought, I got to go see what this is all about. So I went out there and uh, got to the church on a Wednesday evening. And uh, first of all, finding a parking space was impossible. Then secondly, I had to get in line. That was wrapped, stretched down the block on Hollywood Boulevard, waiting to get into church. I thought, I got to find out what this is about. So I got in, and I sat there, and I got it. Everybody around me didn't look like, I mean, I was the odd guy standing out. I'm sure they all were looking back going, that guy's got to be from Oklahoma. (laughs) (laughs) He sure ain't from here, you know. Gracious people, wonderful people. I mean, one of my memories of that is we all, they, all, they serve communion every Wednesday night when they gather. And they get up from their seats, they go to these stations, they take a chunk of bread and they dip it in the, the cup. This, I think this was, you know, it's California, this was real wine. And so, you know, so I'm, I'm going, can I do this? And then I dropped it. I did, I, and everybody getting ready to come in here, and there I go. There's my bread stuck in this thing. What am I going to do? Reach my hand in and get it? I was mortified. So I just kind of went on, you know, like, I'll just go on and, and, and make the best of it. Pretend I'm chewing something so somebody will think that I took communion, you know. But here's something Erwin McManus said that evening I've never forgotten. He says, I have people came up to me this week and, and she says, I think you're a follower of Jesus, but you're so nice. And then she said this, if there is a God, I think you might've met him. That's what we want to be. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. Paul says the greatest of these is love. 
So I've been saying quite a bit this year that something special is happening at Crossings, and I don't throw those phrases around. In fact, I probably have been very skeptical when I hear phrases like that. But all I can tell you, and I may have said it a little too much, but now I think you're, you're beginning to see, uh, and I now know why that was happening. There was something special uh, blowing through this place of all things crossings, and I couldn't get a grasp on it. I thought, well, just sit, talk about being patient, which I'm not. It's a matter of be still and wait. And boy, <laughs> was that the right advice. Be still and wait. So thank you, Crossings, for standing by the door, for not forgetting what your life was before you found the door. Thank you for leaning into your faith. Thanks for being hope givers. Thank you for loving others as you've been loved. And God, I think, has seen fit to give us opportunity we would never have asked for, couldn't have predicted. I'll just start going down the list of things that are now part of our Voice of Hope initiative that we believe God has called us to in this season. First of all, and you saw some of this in the video, East Edmond, that's the uh, property there at Covell and Air Depot. We're eager to get out there. Uh, there's not that many churches out there. there. If there are, they're a little hard to find. So we're eager to get to Air Depot and Covell. That's going to be a wonderful uh, venture, we believe. And uh, we're, we're on it and working toward it. This one, this one is when God just showed off. And it's so hard for me to talk about because it came from nowhere. We didn't make a call. We didn't pursue it. It, didn't, it never crossed our minds. And someone said, you might want to talk to the people over at Mayfair Church of Christ. And I said, why would we do that? <laughs> They're Church of Christ. They don't want to talk to us. Oh, yeah, they do. Okay. We had a conversation. We had a second conversation. We're trying to get to how much this thing's going to cost. It's a beautiful building. Sitting right there just a block west of Penn and Northwest Expressway. Six blocks from where we started in 1959. And you want to see a pastor finally speechless? <laughs> when they said, we don't want to sell it. We want to give it to you. We want you to have it. 92% of those people said, we want to give it to you. And we're going to hang around. And we're going to do what we've always dreamed of doing in this community. Now, that's how I know God is up to something. Someone asked, are you all just trying to be another church with all those locations? No, believe me, we're not. Things like this are happening. And Crossings Mayfair is a very special place. Edmond, current Edmond location, as you know, we've added on once, I think, once or two, I think maybe at least once. I know we added 8,000 square feet. You know, I was sure that this five acres would be plenty and that the building there would be plenty for 800 people, but then God shows off again. I think he looks for ways to make me look like a fool, and, and I give him material to work with. That's the thing. So we've got to add classrooms. We found one more place. The city of Edmond will allow us to build more rooms. So we're going to build classrooms, a couple of large classrooms, as this part of this uh, Voice of Hope initiative. 
just done is one of the 22 prisons where we serve. This has, most of those prisons have chapels. You know that we found Joseph Harp didn't have one at all. We built them a chapel a couple years ago. And now just done has a chapel, but it is in deep need of some repairs. We're going to fix it for them in this Voice of Hope initiative. It's one of the largest attended uh, services in all the prison system. And so we're going to fix that for them. We've decided with Mayfair, it's like, we better make some room. And before I thought, why well, put that up there? What future opportunities? What do you mean? You just want some money. What, what are we gonna do? I don't know what we're gonna do with it, but I got a hunch we better be ready. We really weren't ready for Mayfair. We, we don't have the, 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 the cash stashed away that, so we can go do what we've gotta go do. We're gonna be finding out as you fill in these pledge cards over the next couple of months. And when we get to where we know we've got enough to do it, then we'll start. But we've got a few million dollars to bring the, the church up to where we need it to be so we can be crossings in that community. And they're excited about this. The people that are, are there now are excited about this. So this is a big step of faith here. We're indicating God must have some future plans and we think we better be ready. Midtown Clinic, they came to us. We didn't go looking for another clinic. We've got one. They came to us and said, we think you all can really help us get this done in a much better way. Can we be with you? And so we have Crossings Midtown Clinic and great things are happening there. But that clinic, as well as our own clinic, the Crossings Community Center and Clinic, it's time to do some upgrades and updates so we can keep doing what we're doing. We didn't build our community center clinic to house a church. Well, now we've got one in there. A little over 200 people, very multicultural, multilingual. It's exhilarating, but we've got them in a multi-purpose room. So we're gonna to have to make some adjustments over there as well because God is up to something that we just didn't see coming. And then endowment. Let me tell you why this is so important to me. All the joking aside, but when I became the pastor, and, and, and I, I knew that you know, I had zero qualification or reason why God would ask me to do that. I just knew he asked me to do it. And, uh, and, and so obviously I did. And we prayed for 200. Our 145 that remained, we prayed for 200. And we, we had 200 show up over the next year and a half, two years. So we were in our little chapel and the big sanctuary that they'd planned to build was just on the master plan. It would seat 500 people. So a couple of the elders then came to me. This isn't Marty Grubson, we better build that sanctuary. No, they came to me saying, Marty, we don't know if you've thought about it or not, but we have 200 people, we're out of room. It's probably a good time to get the plans out and let's build that sanctuary we've dreamed of. It'll seat 500 people. Remember, remember we found out what it would cost. And then I remember when one of the elders said, but now you do know that many families, when they passed away, left us funds for the purpose of building the sanctuary they knew we'd one day need. And Marty, half the cost of this sanctuary is already in the bank because they paid it forward. I just want us to do the same thing, to be prepared to pay it forward. I told you a few weeks ago, I'm not that next year's our 65th anniversary as a church. And it would be great. I'm thinking about the 100th anniversary. 
what we do now will matter for its 100th anniversary. There's not one reason why the fire of the Holy Spirit in this place should ever dim. And this will help us do that in a time when I won't be around in, in 35 more years. I, if I am, it ain't gonna be pretty, but I'm not gonna be here. <laughs> you know? I think in 35 years, that makes me 99. I, I think something like that. <laughs> you know? I, I, I don't, I just hope I'm not, you know. I will be a horrible patient. It'll just be awful. Okay. We're going to pay it forward. And it's going to cost $40 million to do everything I just told you. I, I didn't know whether you would laugh, applaud, or just be in shock like I was when we began to realize we've never, we've never raised money like this before. See, I've played it safe. I've always thrown out idea that I thought we could accomplish. The statistics are a church like ours should be able to at least raise our general fund budget over the next three years, which would be, that statistic is $25 million. We've never raised more than 19. So um, this is either going to be a celebration beyond celebrations like you've never seen before, <laughs> or it's going to be the end of me. No, I'm just kidding. So his last thing, it didn't go well. <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced we have the capacity to do this. So you've got the information in your worship folders today. You've got the, the Voice of Hope book. Read through that. Take a look at it. You've got the pledge card somewhere between now and, and really the 1st of December. We'd like to know then the sooner these arrive, the more we know what we can start doing and because there's some work we need to be doing now. So we do hope you'll take uh, and read this. And I would ask everyone to be participant. Now, except for those who are currently not tithing to the church. We received some information this week, a demographic study. If everybody in our church was tithing, we'd have that money in less than a year. We wouldn't even ask for this. Tithe first. It's a spiritual discipline. It's biblical. If you're not, I'm not, I don't want to put you on a guilt trip, but I tell you, you're missing something special when you're not taking God seriously about what he asks us to do, the least of which is 10%. Do that first. Pray. Please ask God for wisdom for our church, for our leaders, for the people. Tithe. If you don't tithe, start now. If you're not tithing, don't, don't do this. Not many pastors will say that. Don't do this. Tithe first. And then as you do that, I got a hunch you'll find out you might have more left over to give to Voice of Hope somewhere down the road. And then I just am praying that we will all take steps of faith. This is a big step of faith. We've never taken this kind of step of faith. So we're going to find out what God has in mind over these next several months. We'll be keep you updated. We'll be talking about it because I believe even for us, there is a wide door for a great work here and many people are responding. Let's not do anything that would slow that down. Okay. 
After I pray, the prayer teams will be at the front of the rooms, all the rooms. Please let us know if you have a need, if you need us to pray for you or with you about anything on your mind. Even if you have, maybe have a question about the Voice of Hope, these prayer team folks, I trust them. So as they make their way to the front of all the rooms, I'm going to pray. And after I pray, you feel freedom to go to the front of those rooms and allow us to pray for you, answer questions or whatever you may need, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thanks for this time. Thank you, Father, for putting things in our lap we could never have imagined. Thank you for a future that is part frightening and more exhilarating than anything because we know you're in it. Father, whatever you have in mind for us, Father, I pray you will find us faithful. And Father, we will gladly go where you lead us. We'll sacrifice. We'll take steps that we're afraid to take. But we will do what you want us to do. And Father, give us the courage and the strength to do just that. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen and amen.